Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. All right, welcome to Off the Radar here on 365 Sports. Got a few stories to take a look at here as we do normally on Tuesdays and Thursdays at around 445. Typically try to get a little bit out of college football, but uh, sometimes just timing-wise and um, guests-wise or whatever, there are some things that uh, we don't quite get to. And in particular with Alabama, there's been so much movement on this coaching staff, it's hard to kind of keep up with it all, quite honestly. They're moving ferociously there with Kalen DeBoer now at the helm to uh, get that staff ready to go and uh, get all their hires in a row so that they can start moving on to uh, maintaining that roster. But one note did just come down, and it's uh, somewhat local-related because uh, a former uh, Baylor guy through and through, and most recently the head football coach of the University of Buffalo, Maurice Linguist, or Mo Linguist, is now headed to Alabama, another head coach hire for Kalen DeBoer. A little bit of a trend here. Uh, but the 39-year-old was uh, at previously, as you see here, A&M, Mississippi State, Dallas Cowboys, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, most recently the Buffalo head coach. So, yeah, that uh, courtesy of ESPN originally, but Mo Linguist, uh, who people around here know a little bit about, he is now joining Kalen DeBoer's first staff there at Alabama. Yeah, with Kim Womack and now Mo Linguist uh, joining that staff, Kalen DeBoer is hiring um, other Kalen DeBoers. Also, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, let let's let's throw another log on the fire of you're not playing the same game when you can go and hire a head coach to be not just a coordinator, like that's Kane Wilmack. Mm-hmm. Marty Slingwitz is gonna be the defensive backs coach more than likely. So you know, he's leaving a head coaching job to be a position coach somewhere else. Now look, he's got that head coaching job on his resume and he's been a good head coach at Buffalo, but you know, th- this can set him on a, a better path than the job at Buffalo can, which is kind of saying a lot about, you know, where we are on, you know, who's in what league and what who's not. Linquist was also uh, at Iowa State for part of his career in his resume. It looks like DeBoer, like you said, is getting a lot of DeBoers, a lot of group of five type guys, although he was at Washington. And I, and I see reaction at times, well, wait, wait a minute, because he's not at LSU or he's not at Georgia, or he's not at wherever. These guys can coach, man. They're really good coaches, and so good for Kalen DeBoer trying to fill up his staff with a little bit of a unique way of doing it, too. Uh, yeah, so uh, Mo Linguist, a former Baylor guy, and uh, been around the block, A&M, et cetera, been around a lot of different schools, Mississippi State, uh, looking like a defensive assistant. I guess the uh, I guess proper terms of the correct title will get ironed out there. Uh, eventually, we'll see that officially, but yeah, uh, he is now joining and will work with the secondary that uh, Alabama staff for Kalen DeBoer. So just wanted to pass that along. That's very interesting as uh, he puts this all together. And uh, also today, officially announced, Ron Roberts as executive head coach, co-defensive coordinator, and linebackers coach at Florida. Previously worked with uh, Billy Napier at Louisiana. 
was uh, just at Auburn for one year, and then was it you know prior to that at Baylor here for a couple years. And I remember last year when Baylor got off to a rocky start, and Ron Roberts had kind of a and he always mm-hmm. does like sort of the subliminal tech or tweets yep. or whatever. Yep. Hit but he had one that was very clearly directed at Dave Aranda, mm-hmm. and then. You know the the part of that is though is like oh okay let's go look at Auburn season how are the, how are you guys doing over there so it was like kind of you know pot calling the kettle black in so many ways mm-hmm. so I don't know what was what in the wash when it it came out between Ron Roberts and Dave Aranda but his stay at Auburn was short and now he reunites with Billy Napier officially joining that Florida staff which you just wonder how much rope do they have uh, down there in Gainesville right now how much tolerance or patience do they have. And uh, what are the expectations, and how quickly can they meet those expectations? Because it's only going to get harder now. I mean, you're bumped down two spots automatically, one would think, with Texas and Oklahoma joining the fray. So, um, you know, I know the schedules won't be all equal. They're going to be spread out much more so now, but they've got a very difficult one. And they got, like, the short end of the stick out of probably all the schools in the SEC when theirs came out. So that's not going to help them in any way, shape, or form. Like I mentioned, you got two other – programs who are better than you right now coming in so yeah it's uh it's ron roberts gonna be part of the the plan to try and get this thing righted but uh we knew him i i you know i liked him I well liked enough him too, yeah. and, uh, uh sad that it didn't work out at auburn but uh good luck to him in gainesville uh, well it feels like florida didn't sign greg sankey's birthday card or something yeah. <laughs> i mean they're yeah. like oh you know Oh, happy birthday. Love Alabama. Oh, have a, a, another great year. Alabama Sincerely, Vanderbilt. Yeah, no, you're and right. And then he's going, and he looks, and he's like, hey, uh, did Florida not sign this thing? That's rude. It seems uh, and like then, a, yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh. That's what I don't like about the expansion of conferences. And it's not, this is not complaining, but it's what I loved about the Big 12. Everybody played everybody. There was yep. no skip three or four or eight of the teams in the conference. That doesn't mean those other conferences didn't have really good, hard treks to get to a championship or division title. It was everybody played everybody, and nobody got themselves a mulligan season or two. Yeah, I like that as well. I mean, you didn't get to hide from anybody, uh, whether intentionally or not, and you knew at the end of the road, like, these teams had all been battle-tested the same exact way. And I think that's my biggest gripe with the, I guess, expanding conferences is that that whole gag about the fact that A&M still hasn't played at Georgia and they've been in the SEC for, what, 10 years now at this point? Um, that whole thing, that's going to be more and more common now because you get to 18, 20-team conferences. I know the SEC or the Big Ten are like, well, we'll do this to where mm-hmm. everybody's guaranteed to play everybody within five-year time frame. But it's like you knew every other year you're going to Austin. Every other You knew where you're going. It's just a matter of what the dates were. And now, I mean, you keep expanding the conferences. It's It's – it's back to where you don't play a team that's in the same conference for like eight years at a time, potentially. And so, and I, you can get teams as they come and go with the pecking order too, right? And, and and might play somebody, but by the time you do three or four or five years later, well, they're not who they were three or four or five years ago before that. Yeah, and I know this isn't the best example because Texas and Oklahoma certainly feel like their schedules are a lot better than they were. But I do think that there's also though this sort of, I guess marketing thing that kind of goes on for some fans where they talk about the Big Ten and the SEC now and how daunting they are, but then they act like everybody's playing all the best teams every week, and it's like, no, you're still getting like, uh, well, I know Rutgers was actually good this past year, but you know what I mean. It's not like every week, when you talk about like Super Leagues, you think of every week you're playing, it's 
you're playing LSU and then you're playing Auburn and then you're playing Texas and you're playing Oklahoma and you're playing all these biggest brand names, but no, they're still sprinkled in there. Some of the other schools as well. So it's not like the elite, the elite of the elite. It's getting closer to that, but the bigger you get, the less that you get some of those matchups, even though they're, they're easier to get because you're now within the same conference, but it's just not going to be one week after another murderer's row. And it's probably by design because you don't want that. People ask, like, well, what's the point of Vanderbilt? What's the academics and also the fact that you want a mulligan every once in a yeah, while or you yeah. want that team that's not no, no. Georgia on your schedule every single week. But, um, yeah, that's that's all very interesting. And, uh, and um, yeah, moving on here, let's see uh, a couple of other notes when it comes to uh, the NFL. Yesterday we were watching – and Terrell Bernard, uh, we're watching the playoff game with the Bills, and Terrell Bernard, uh, former Baylor linebacker, goes down in that game, and it looked bad. It looked like he was in a lot of pain. He had to get carted off of the field, and the Bills go on to win 31-17, to but they did look a little bit leakier on defense, especially in the middle once he exited that game. The Steelers actually made that a little bit uncomfortable for a moment. Like, had they been able to capitalize, had a play go their way, that thing might have gotten might have gotten a little bit more interesting there at the end. Uh, but Buffalo is able to score late and push that lead up and and, and rest easily. Uh, but Terrell Bernard is not ruled out for the year quite yet, and I figured that that was going to be the case. I figured we were going to see you know, a report about him tearing his knee up or, or whatever the case may be. But as of right now, Terrell Bernard is considered day-to-day as an ankle injury, um, but there was no fracture. Uh, it was a high ankle sprain, so he's going to probably miss some time. But, man, I, I could not believe that when I saw late last night that he was not out for the year uh, or ruled out for the remainder of the playoffs already. Now, maybe he doesn't see the field. All will depend on how long they keep playing. Um, but he is listed as day-to-day with an ankle injury, which is um, awesome news considering what it could have been, which was a, a season-ending injury. Well, broken uh, ligaments, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Torn ligaments, when you're uh, out, torn ACL. Like you guys anything, said, when yeah. you're ta- when you're taken off the field on a cart, it's either back, neck, or bad. No matter what, and if, for it to be an ankle injury is uh, a, a huge, huge break for the Bills and also for Terrell Bernard. Yeah, it absolutely was. So uh, you know that the NFL ratings were massive over the weekend. Cowboys. And Green Bay Packers, 40 million viewers at one point for Cowboys and Packers. It averaged 40 million viewers throughout. It was up 20% uh, from the Giants and Vikings a, a year ago, which had a little over 30 million. But uh, huge success all the way around. It peaked at 43.4 million viewers, the second largest audience of the entire season, second only to Thanksgiving Day between the Commanders and the Cowboys, uh, as they are very much a draw uh, and that's never changed despite the records and the ups and downs of their actual teams. Uh, they remain a huge draw. And, yeah, 40 million viewers on average with 43.4, the high note there to watch uh, that big Green Bay victory. So I was just curious, Paul. I know we'll talk Cowboys in this next hour, but where are you on Mike McCarthy? And just in, what what do the Cowboys do now at this point? I Look, I, I'm at the point of... Are you still in mourning? Do we need to wait a week for you to, to get over this? The, mourning isn't the right word, because I've been in mourning since 1996. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this is, they haven't, you know, since the year they went... First year, they didn't go back to the Super Bowl. It's just been a long period where I'm, I roam the streets in a long black veil. But I... You sold your soul for the Red Sox I, to win. I don't... I think maybe four to stay that same year. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know... I don't know where it like 
Look, he's won 12 games three years in a row. So, right. like, that's the hardest part of this. But the issue with Jason Garrett wasn't the regular season either. Like, they're, they're still running into the same problem of they get to the playoffs and they – um, they always have one thing that they get by with all year because the regular season's different. But then that's the thing that teams exploit. And this year, it was the run defense. The run defense was not good. And they were able to mask it because they would play teams that were not the 49ers. And those teams were not necessarily good. So Micah Parsons and those guys who were elite defenders would just feast and do really well. And so it was kind of hidden because if you're up by 20 points, the team's not going to run. So all of a sudden you've got this great run defense. But if they were ever playing from behind, the other thing it seems, and this is a through line through Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy. I don't know what it is, but it seems like whenever they're dealt adversity early, that it sticks with them longer than teams that win. Like a guy getting knocked down early in a fight that cannot recover. Yeah, like they they might get a couple of good punches in, but, you know, to steal Philadelphia's avatar, they're not Rocky. You know, like, you know, Rocky would get pummeled by Creed or Drago or whoever, and then he would just stick with it. Like, they're the ones who take the punch from Drago and they go back to the corner and be like, it's... The guy's hitting really hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just, I don't know what it is. They've got, like, they're they're really close. And they're better than most teams in the league when it comes to, you know, repeat performances season after season. But that doesn't matter if you're not winning the trophy. Ratings are going to be great. Merchandise will always be through the roof. Glitz, glamour, the stadium, all of that will never change no matter how good or bad they are. But yeah. I do, I heard somebody say this. If you think about... The players, the individual players, a lot of them are as maybe involved in their own individual brands as they are the guy that's sitting next to them in the locker room. Yeah, you know, I think that's also what happens after you lose is all that stuff starts to flutter well, out. Of like, all of a sudden, it's like, well, our players are selfish and they're pampered. Like, because I, I listened to a postgame show, and what do you think the first call was? So long as Jerry's the owner and he's uh, pampering no. these players. I've heard that for 25 effing yeah. years at this point, dude. Mm-hmm. It's not just that at this stage. Like, it's just let's, – let's say it's bad luck more than it's that at this point because oh, yeah. a lot of players are pampered. It's not like every uh, 31 other teams are eating – Chewing nails for breakfast, and the Cowboys are having filet mignon. San Jose State was. I mean, I mean, they yeah. they that's all they could afford. But I mean, yeah, no, it, I get it. But I I hear that, and I think there is something to the Jerry pampering them. But I I think like at this point, there's got to be something more than than just that. But anyways, forty million viewers over forty at mm. one point in that game at its high point. There was also another interesting ratings note because I mean the NFL is going to crush it in ratings, but that was the high note. But the other one that was interesting was the Peacock game because there was a lot of wondering how the Peacock NFL playoff game would do. I subscribe to Peacock as it is. I don't mm. I actually cut a lot of subs at the end of last year. Nobody cares. But you know, even though it's forty dollars a month, I'll add it up. And it's only four hundred bucks. Like I just, I don't need it though. Like yeah. I can just, I can spend that somewhere else. But Peacock, I actually have because it makes it easy to watch any WWE pay per view that mm-hmm. I randomly would want to watch live. And also, it's got uh, On Patrol Live, which is a guilty like background noise show for mm-hmm. me. So uh, that's why I have it, and it's it's cheaper than all of the other services. It's only like five bucks or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what their actual numbers were for signups, but 23 million people watched the Peacock game. Which is higher than most every college football game played, but perhaps one or two. Yeah. And uh, that's streaming. Other than like the 
Ohio State, Michigan, yeah. probably, and yeah. uh, I, I don't even know if that got to twenty three off the top Michigan of my head. Maybe Michigan and uh, Alabama, maybe I, I don't know. I, and and look, they also had a bit of, of of luck here in that a few months ago, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift started sure. dating each other. That helped, and they had that game to be able to put on it because. And I had a couple of. You amazing- think that was accident? Uh, no, Hell and no. look, yeah. I, and I, I would have, like, if, if I had just heard that story or, like, read it on Twitter of, like, oh, this was propelled by Swifties and all this, I'm like, yeah, maybe a little bit, but three different friends of Amanda's from different parts of the country that are all Swifties all asked her to ask me if I liked Peacock enough, my subscription, that it would be worth keeping it past this thing, and I was like, and I, my first one, I was like, I was like, what? And then she has a friend who I met when we were in Nashville, who was a huge Taylor Swift fan, and started watching the Chiefs just because of Taylor Swift. So yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's weird too because you think this is like the typical like little girls and they just idolize. It's like no, no it's grown it's women. 40. It's grown women who are like <laughs> obsessing over this girl, and it, yeah, it's crazy. But they are, um, they're like the beehive, right? Like I mean, they are loud and proud proud and they show up and they support and there's a lot of them and they have definitely made a difference in the nfl ratings to at least some degree one would think but as far as the questions about well are people going to turn into a streaming game will people sign up you know i want to see information on the subs but this to me indicates that you're only going to see more games on streaming as far as nfl playoff 23 million for miami and kansas city uh, was the final tally there. So, yeah, that was a, a huge deal uh, as far as a successful outing goes. And, and you know, I, I think that's the power of the NFL combined with the power of Taylor Swift. But I did go look at college football games. Only two had more. Ohio State-Michigan didn't crack 20, so they didn't quite live up to that. But Michigan-Washington had 25-05, which was more, and Michigan-Alabama. So the two Michigan playoff games uh, and the Michigan-Alabama had 27.76 million. Uh, but those were the only two college football games all year long that beat the streaming playoff game number for the NFL with the Chiefs and Dolphins there. On the streaming number, I saw this from at Sports TV Ratings. The guy does a great job. There were about 500,000 viewers in Miami via local television and around 900,000 to a million in Kansas City. So that's away from the 23 million, but that there were thoughts it might be more than that. That's like a six to seven percent difference, but 23 million average. Reviews. Yeah, I, the NFL just just I mean, keep lucking into money. things. It yeah. prints money, bullion yeah. money, the, gold. The, the only the, like the only way they could get more is if like Beyonce and Jay Z got divorced, and then Beyonce started dating. Taylor Swift. No, yeah. But Beyonce started dating, like, Joe Burrow. Yeah. And to, and to think that they got all these ratings with all the people that quit watching years ago. Yeah. So just imagine yeah. what they would no. be if I'll all those people came game. back in droves and they'd actually, you know, have an even higher number. But, no, I'm I'm kidding, obviously. I think that's everybody, uh, everybody's tuned into the NFL, but more so than ever because of a, of a – a superstar musician and uh, her relationship that's certainly playing into it. And I think also the superstar quarterback and the superstar tight end. And, and those folks are drawing eyeballs as well. And that could go over to the uh, Miami side. Some of those guys drawing eyeballs as well, but just interesting to see that many uh, numbers uh, or that high of a number for streaming. So yeah, that's not going anywhere. There was a lot of articles written too about like, will this be the NFL's first failure or will streaming, you know, whatever it will, it, it worked out tremendously well for them. Um, so there you go with that. A uh, couple of other notes here. 
um, that I had uh, was, for one, on the coaching front, Mike Tomlin has apparently indicated to Steelers players that he plans to coach next season. So he walked off and away from the podium the other night when somebody brought up his contract and his future. He didn't even say anything. He just walked off uh, to end the press conference. And uh, now we are hearing that, uh, despite all the speculation about what could happen there, that Mike Tomlin will be back to coach the Steelers in 2000. And 2024. But meanwhile, uh, another note is that uh, after last night's loss, a rumor has it, speaking of uh, the Kelsey family, that Jason Kelsey will be retiring after 13 seasons. That's no longer a rumor. He's done. So he's yeah. done. Yeah. Okay, officially. Good. Uh, so that was uh, confirmed then. Uh, so he is done after 13 seasons after that loss. And, man, what a game that was to watch last night. Just kind of quickly, I guess, get your thoughts on uh, what we got to see. I mean, obviously, Buffalo was on TV as we left, and, and the Bills take care of business. I provided that update on Terrell Bernard. Glad he's just okay. Um, but then Philly and Tampa Bay, I mean, an ass-whooping uh, is what it turned yeah. out to be. Uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, good on you, pal. Finding your second, third, fourth life, whatever this is at this point. And uh, Tampa Bay, another great story as they move on with a 32-9 to victory. Yeah, I, I think Baker Mayfield's a guy whose personality fits Tampa, the fan base, really well. Um, it, I think he's also there, very humbled. Yeah, he is yeah. like he's a new like I've always liked ba- Baker yeah, and me too. not none of his aunt. I always found him funny and not like people like you liked him if he played for the team you liked and he didn't play for the team I liked and I liked him and there's yeah. some that just don't. I, I just think, think they don't smart like they ass. don't. Okay, so they what? don't get, like well look and he's funny and so like if you put him in like the I great comedians kind of way like all right you know maybe he's not for you but he's just trying to be funny he has no ill will towards anything and he he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder but i've always enjoyed baker i'm really happy he had that playoff win last night i hope the bucks sign him uh, to a nice deal so he can stay there and, and build some consistency it seems like they they've they've got kind of a nice a nice thing going um and he can help bridge them to the next era for sure uh as far as the Eagles go, hmm, man, you lose man. your coordinators like they did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Nick Sirianni. And the defensive line, or a lot of them. Yep. Yeah, and you lost what you lost, and then guys get like Fletcher Cox is older, and they've got some young guys that are good, but schematically they were a lot different this year. And I think the game that the Cowboys lost to them that was really close, that the Cowboys kind of squandered and were this close to winning that game because of some little tiny mistakes they made. That game put out the book on the Eagles, and then the rest of the league saw and took advantage of it down the year. San Francisco's Bosa said they put out. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, so but those two weeks right there, the San Francisco and the Cowboys, Mm -hmm. because the Cowboys, I guess, maybe took San Francisco's book and they just weren't good enough that week to do anything about it. And then after that, it was just the secrets out, and they they had no answer for everything. Plus, Jalen Hurts was pretty much he had. Five different injuries this and a, year. A middle finger. Uh, he I he was just not as explosive with his legs. They stopped the the uh, the push because they went above it and got to his shoulders and pulled him away. First time that's happened all year long. I just think that they became a disenchanted locker room. I think that they some of those guys started to just mail it in. Give Tampa Bay credit. They thumped them pretty good. Yeah, uh, Bosa said, we made Jalen stay in the pocket and escape outside instead of those B-gaps, and it paid off because he's looking to run every play, so you just have to be disciplined and not give him a quick escape route where he can get to his guys quick. That's what mm-hmm. Bosa said. And they also they also failed on the Philly push last night as uh, the Bucks D-line got underneath 
Kelsey and company. So, yeah, it all just started to fall apart for them. But uh, that was a interesting game to watch. It just wasn't as competitive as you would have liked. But now we're set. I'll close it out with this. Texans at Ravens uh, coming up on Saturday. Packers at 49ers on Saturday night. And then Sunday, Bucks at Lions and Chiefs at Bills. We'll close out the weekend with a early evening kickoff there on Sunday night. So there you go. There's your final eight as we uh, creep towards the Super Bowl. There's a few things off the radar. Uh, Garrett, the, get, get up the the one I just showed you with Silas Bolden, yeah. uh, Oregon State, uh, dual threat type of weapon. Not a surprise here. Texas, uh, again, replenishing the wide receiver room that had been, like, rated because of eligibility in the NFL uh, NFL draft. They uh, uh, get Silas Bolden, who's also a kick return. Had a kick return for a touchdown last year for the Beavers. Yeah, nice pickup for them. Yeah, really like it. He's a, he's a really good player. So uh, he was fantastic for Oregon State. And, yeah, they're retooling that that wide receiver room. Uh, got uh, the young man from Bama, now Bolden. And have they made any other moves? That I, oh, yeah, Matthew Golden. So, yeah, yeah. yeah they've, they've addressed the, the losses of Worthy and Mitchell and yeah. – who were you saying? Isaiah Bond that they added. Oh, that's what I mentioned the Alabama yeah, okay, kid. Okay. Um, now they got to figure out tight end, and I think Benjamin Urasek from Stanford is they'll be fine. Them a look. They'll so, get, yeah, they'll, they'll get and yeah, refill right. who they uh, oh, yeah, I don't worry too much about the offense. No, you know, really, uh, but, they have their running backs are set. They're totally fine there. I, I do think like that's the one. Like the wide receivers, I think will be fine. The thing I'm curious about is because Jadavian Sanders is pretty unique. Yeah, like there's not sure. a lot of guys who who play that position, built like him, run like him, move like him. Like how do you you know, do they miss him a little bit? Even if they get a good sure guy, he's probably not going to be like that. By the way, Ross Bjork to Ohio State's official now. Yeah, it's official. Okay, yeah. here's a note uh, from Ed Werder on the Cowboys before we come back with Todd Archer on that. First team in, to win 12 games, three straight seasons, and fail to make the conference championship in any of them since the AFC-NFC merger 53 years ago. <laughs> When we come back, Todd Archer, Hall of Famer, John McClain, Paul's top five, great off the radar, and this is 365 Sports. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.